Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und hier ist Botzen, macht das Tor. Und er ist drin. Buchmann, Buchmann, Buchmann macht das zweite Tor. Da ist das Tor. Der zählt das 2 zu 2. Drist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch, der setzt an zur Flanke, da kommt der Ball, Tor, 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 Welcome you to another episode of the Sparta Bundesliga podcast, your home for all things Sparta Bundesliga. I'm Matthew Karagic and I'll be steering the ship for the next hour or so about the Sparta Bundesliga. Of course, we have plenty to get through as the international break has come to an end. Match day 27 is in the books. We saw plenty of goals, action and drama. We'll be looking at that for you as well as looking ahead at the action coming up on match day 28. Of course, we have the topic questions as well. But first, let me introduce you to our guest. And it is, in some ways, a reunion set special. Eva is back from a six-week hiatus where she was in Munster and Karlsruhe. Uh, Eva, good to have you back. How are you doing? Very good. Glad to be back. And from his exploits in London as well as in university, the, the man following Manchester City, but of course the unfortunate Ingolstadt, it's Alex. Alex, how are you doing this morning? I'm very well, Matthew, thank you. That is fantastic. Of course, Match Day 27 is in the books and that's where we will start with our Group 1 games and we'll start in the Cathedral City after Adam Cohn. Cohn, four goals to nil over Holstein Kiel. It was a dominating display. In some remarks on the score sheet, although Kiel did have their chances, Simon Terodde, Jonas Hector, Jean Cordoba, and Antti Modest getting on the score sheet. Eva, I'm going to start with you. It may have been 4-0, but a lot of Kiel fans weren't too impressed with the performance, and you know they're in a great position to go and win the league. But they were vulnerable at times, and they they on another day they may have conceded some goals. Yeah, I think they're just in a very good mood at the moment. We saw them play against Armenia very well. Um, they definitely using their chances they got. And with Cordoba, Terodde, and Modest, and even Hector, they have people that are always in a good mood to score. Um, I think in the end, uh, the, the score sheet doesn't really reflect how the game went. I think I was really surprised because Kiel is a very good team. Um, we talked about it plenty of times, um, and yeah, it was. It could have gotten both ways from the beginning on. They both had very good attacks. Very, the game was very fast in the beginning. Um, they were both very upfront with their defenses, and um, yeah, both team had some inaccuracies as well. So. Um, FC was just the luckiest side to took the lead, and then the game went uh, because Köln is really hard to to beat after they took the lead. Only if you're Paderborn, then in some ways Köln has something going wrong in their heads. Apparently, <laughs> um, Alex, Alex, from a Kiel point of view, that it, it does feel like a missed opportunity for them with the results that happened around them this weekend. Um, would you say that their chances of even making it to the playoff again are, are pretty much over? Uh, I would tend to agree with that, yeah. Uh, when we look at teams like Paderborn, and even to an extent Union and Heidenheim, 
generally pick up points on a consistent basis. And when even though playing FSA away is a hard game, if they do want to keep up uh, in chase with those sorts of teams, they do have to win. And I think I'd have to agree agree with a lot of um, what Eva said. And for uh, Kiel, it was a case of I mean, silly errors. Cron holding goal, first two goals he could have done a lot better with, and then obviously captain Dominic Schmidt with the third. It was a bit of a strange challenge. Um, that said, I don't think we should over you know, exaggerate uh, how close of a game it was. FSA still scored four goals and uh, came with quite comfortable win in the end. Uh, but it was annoying from my perspective, considering I had um, an FSA victory and both teams scoring my bet, uh, seeing the highlights uh, after the event. Yeah, I could imagine that would be very, very frustrating indeed, especially with the chances they had. Um, another game that had four goals in it, but both teams scoring. Union Berlin and Paderborn, and it was the visitors. Paderborn taking a 3-1 win. It's the first time Union have lost lost at home this season. Christopher Atui Ajay getting on the score sheet. It's the fourth goal he's scored in his last three. Sven Mikkel and Philip Clement getting on the score sheet. Sebastian Polter in stoppage time for Union, getting a consolation goal in his return from injury. Alex, um, the this defeat is quite massive in the context for the race for third place, and uh, for teams like Paderborn, uh, it's thrown the, the race wide open again. Uh, certainly, and I think even though Union remain above Paderborn at the moment, I think a team like Paderborn thrive upon confidence and having that motivation to keep going and you know, riding that wave, so to speak. And so getting a result like this is, um, I mean, perhaps one of the best things to uh, keep that up. Um, I, I've put, I think that Paderborn actually played Union uh, one of the best ways that is possible. The, they attacked the uh, spaces in between midfield and defence and actually made it very difficult for the Union defence all, uh, all game. Uh, and even though the Antwi Adjay uh, goal was a good one. I don't think you can look further than the Philip Clement one. I think it was one of my favourite goals of the season. Uh, it was almost uh, Messi-esque, uh, that one, and it was a perfect way to round off what is a, a really uh, important victory for, for Baumgart's men. That it was, and it was a touch of class, and he's shown that throughout the season. Uh, Eva, from an Union perspective, it's probably one of the worst times to cough up a defeat. You've just come off the international break. You know, you're ready to make your assault uh, and your final push. Um, yeah, they, they were really ordinary and, and a bit slow out of the traps. And, team, and Pat, credit to Paderborn, they really took advantage of, of the way they played. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Union started the game with wanting to show a reaction to the defeat in Heidenheim. Um, and they had the better start with their first chance after like 60 seconds, although... Also, but um, especially after Paderborn took the lead, it it was just like they didn't want to level or anything. It was um, Paderborn should have been even awarded a penalty um, before the break. And in the second half, they had no ideas going forward. Something that you don't see often of them because um, yeah, even when we saw them playing against Sandhausen, where they weren't good either, but they always found a way to, um, yeah, finding found uh, the back of the net, and that was something that you couldn't see at all in that game. Um, and that is something you should really do not do against Paderborn because they're 
really good as much as it pains me to say that, but they're a really, really good side in Zweite Bundesliga at the moment. That they are. The last of our Group 1 games was in Bochum. They were held scoreless against Hamburg at Esfau. This game was very dogged in the way it was played. Uh, there was some controversy, uh, Eva. We will touch on that right now. Um, a pretty blatant handball by Rick Van Dronglen that went by the wayside, by the referee. Um, whether Bochum would have scored from the spot, who knows. But we're pretty confident that it was definitely a penalty. Yeah, definitely. I saw that and I was immediately, okay, um, look back to the penalty that Armenia got against Bochum and then to don't, don't give that as a penalty. This is like, we talk about handball so much. What, like, what kind can you give? It's um, discussed in so many ways, especially talking about VAR. But, uh, like, when this is something you can do in the penalty, penalty area, I, like, we don't have to talk about handball because this was so clearly that he he had his hand, his arm out, then pulled it back, but that was way too late. And, yeah, I feel very sorry for Bochum because they saw two weeks earlier what penalty you can get against your team and even as an Armenia fan I must say it wasn't really one and so this is kind of hard yeah it's 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 it was a shocking decision but um Alex from a Hartsville perspective you know they were playing an injury ravaged Borkham side and you know they essentially almost had like a first team out um they were quite poor especially in the final third I think they really lacked the cutting edge and and if they are to go up, it kind of underlies the issues they're going to have. It definitely, and in many ways, they actually remind me of when Hanover uh, were in the Vital League a few years ago. In that they look so desperate to go up that they've essentially you know, decided that they're going to not bore out the league, but they're going to create an extremely efficient team for this Vital League. And that doesn't necessarily work as Hanover have perhaps seen when they go straight up. If you compare them to FC, uh, perhaps. We look to have you know, really pushed on. And the FC have a team that shouldn't be playing in this division. Hamburg, um, on the other hand, look like they're just trying to attack this division. And so, I mean, I, I know we've said that they're definitely going to go up at, uh, at the end of the season, but with the way they're playing at the moment and perhaps not being as efficient in their results as they were at the early start of the season, um, there's the, I mean, if Paderborn can keep going on this crazy run that they're on, this maybe an outside chance that they could be catched perhaps yeah we will wait and see we'll go and take a quick break do join us our group 2 game starts with the Saxony derby Auer and Dresden Allein aufs Tor verfolgt von Nazarov Berko mit der Chance zur Entscheidung Berko Berko Yes, and we start in our, they hosted Dinamo Dresden, and it was the visitors who came away with an important 3-1 victory. Our took the lead through Philip Zulekner, who was given his first start since joining as a free agent on 27 minutes, but Dresden were dominant in the second half. Goals from Lucas Ruerza, Justin Luver, and Eric Borko, giving Dresden all three points. And Alex, it was a rampant display in the second half by Christian Files men, and, and it was a worthy win for them. Yeah, in the end, I'd have to agree. And I mean, I don't think you can underestimate uh, how good of a result this is for Dresden, especially on the back of you know, their poor run of form. 
in recent weeks, uh, let alone an Ost-Deutschland uh, derby, uh, going to a you know uh, going to a team that they have a lot of history against, but even more so going to our on a on a, on a Monday night. It's the equivalent of going to Stoke on a cold Tuesday night over in uh, in England. Um, yeah, so to come from behind, especially, I think this is a massive result for Dresden, and they can hopefully, from their perspective, push on. Uh, as well as the end of the season and somewhat salvage what has been quite a disappointing campaign in the last stages of it. That it has, um, and they also have the game in hand which they are playing this week against Greuther Fert. Uh, Eva, you look at from an hour perspective, it's another game they've lost against Dresden. They've got a really ordinary record, home and away. Um, they have to be careful a little bit as the teams below them, especially Sandhausen, are starting to close the gap. Yeah, I think it's their second defeat in a row, um, and that first of all, it doesn't seem so bad. But looking, uh, as you said, how the other teams around them play at the moment, um, it's it's really dangerous to not keep up with the rest of it. And um, I think after Dresden took the lead, they tried too hard to level, but there was no structure in it anymore, and um, yeah, I think um, they focused on defending but still took the lead. Um, so, yeah, they something that we said before the break, um, that they were so good uh, in attacking and all that, that seems to have gone lost in some ways. And yeah, they they're playing the media at the weekend, obviously. So it's going to be a very difficult game for both both sides. Um, and yeah, they our have to wake up now because if they do it in three weeks, it will be too late. Speaking of Armenia, they travelled to Furtz on match day 27 and they played in an entertaining 2-0 draw game that had pretty much anything. Julian Green opening the scoring in bizarre fashion. His shot cannoning off the post and then off Stefan Ortega and into the back of the net. Daniel Caterell made it 2-0 for the host on 23 minutes and then it was a Fabian Close masterclass in the second half. Two goals in the space of 18 minutes to give Armenia a share of the spoils, almost replicating what happened last time they met. A um, bit of an interesting game, this, uh, Eva. Um, not the way you probably predicted it, but a point is a point against a team that has improved a lot under Stefan Lytle. Uh, yeah, um, you will be surprised. I actually talked to Danny before the game and he said what I would say how this will go. And I said 2-2. Two, two. He's like, no, that's boring. <laughs> like, okay, maybe in the end uh, he was um, a bit not that boring. Um, yeah, I think uh, Aminia was... Um, like we, Behrendt was out, Seufert was out, Edmondson was out, but especially the latter one wasn't really missing I'd say because he was that good but uh, Jabo and Pritel were in and Pieper with his full debut um, and it's like always Aminia has the first chance of the game but then they're completely losing it that was horrible defending I didn't even say it's Ortega's fault because he does not see the ball very uh, early and like uh, Green can shoot out of like nobody's attacking him in any way. 
so yeah that was horrible in the first half like my dad was sitting beside me and just like okay what what are they doing this is not like this is not how you can play because when you play like teams against Paderborn you're down like four nil at halftime and uh yeah so but then obviously Klaus is man of the hour I think hey he deserves to get his contract extended over the season and um yeah in the end we were lucky that Fürth didn't take yeah take the lead again but um something that Pipa and Klaus both said we have to talk about not always have to fight our way back because it's nice that I think we have now 18 points after being trailed but that is something you can stop definitely and that is something they have to stop because it's not going to work forever. Yeah, and, and from a FERT perspective, Alex, I mean, they did so well in the first half. They looked really good. But I'd almost uh, put it to you that when Stefan Leiter was dismissed at halftime, at the, just before halftime, uh, there was a real uh, downfall in the way they played. But credit to Bielefeld, they really pushed the issue and, and they were able to make a fight of it. Yeah, there does seem to be a correlation between that, and I'm not really sure why Stefan Leitzel decided to have a rant, uh, the ref, uh, considering his side were 2 0 up at half time. Uh, but then at the same time, I think there were some signs in the first half that Armenia could get into the game. It seemed like Vogel Samuel was doing his best to prevent A, himself scoring after Patrick Vieira outcrossed, and then the second. <laughs> third goal he thought oh, no, I'll, I'll go one step further and I might assist this first goal by stopping the shot that seemed to be uh, heading to another Bielefeld player uh, so I mean even though we can read into the Lytle sending off I do think there were signs that Armenia weren't necessarily out of that game uh, before the break they did quite well actually and, and, and you know either team could have won it but I think the draw was the fairest result uh, we are going to go on to Ingolstadt. They hosted Sandhausen and in dramatic fashion that they found a way to lose this game. Two goals to one. Uh, Bjorn Paulsen opening the scoring in the 12 minutes and then Kevin Behrens on 55 minutes equalising and then in stoppage time, Andrew Wutten ripping the hearts out of Ingolstadt fans and giving Sandhausen all three points. But Alex, as we all know, as we've seen from the vision, Mr. Wooden was offside. Yes, but I mean, at this stage of the season, I don't think that's something that uh, Ingolstadt fans, Ingolstadt management, etc., etc., should be dwelling upon. Uh, I mean, a draw wasn't good enough as it was, so uh, I mean, yes, we should expect better when these people like Manuel Gray for at the send at the charge of things. But these these larger issues, uh, Alan Neil Warnock shouldn't be looking at the referee too much when the five points set off the safety in the Premier League. I don't think we should be looking at the officials too much as well. No, that's a fair assessment. Um, overall, it's 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 looking really dire for for Dishanza and yeah, with seven games remaining, they are in obviously the worst position. They're sitting bottom of the table. It, how would you like to see Ingolstadt combat the last seven games? We saw Kaiserslautern last season when it seemed they were basically going to go down. They had this mini resurgence and they almost pulled themselves up. Do do you? hope to see Ingolstadt use a similar approach or how, how would you like to see them take this? Uh, well, it's strange really because the players that you would say that Joe could could come in for this like mini renaissance almost uh, have already been brought in at times around Christmas. Jonathan Kotzka, 
uh, Fatty Kyra up front, etc., etc. So I don't really know if there's the scope to, unless you really scrape the barrel, to actually bring in uh, a number of new players. Uh, saying and and on the same uh, slate as well, uh, more experienced players like Marvin Matip have already been axed. So it's strange uh, to see. I mean. I would like to just see the team really go for it, to be honest. There's not really much to lose at this stage. Um, I think we've only won four games all season. It's going to take similar to actually keep us up, which isn't going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I think we'd just like to see a bit of a life in the team, something that's been sort of lacking this past uh, season, also the last season as well. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. Uh, Eva, on a Sandhausen perspective, another fantastic result. They've just been picking up points. Uh, willy-nilly uh, recently and and it was a good fight back especially after going a goal behind they lost Fabian Schleusen to an injury after a collision with Philip Chowner his replacement Kevin Behrens gets on the score sheet Andrew Wooden continues his good scoring form against Ingolstadt everything seems good down uh, at Sandhausen yeah I think especially nobody expected them to win 4-0 over Zach Pauli uh, and then um I think they took that energy of that game to put it all into winning over Ingolstadt in the end. Um, I think nobody really expected that. They could like have three wins in a row now, but um, they have to keep that in mind. I think it's huge mental thing from now on. Because everything is very tied up still uh, in the relegation area, and yeah, but I was really surprised to to see them go back. I think it, although that Schleusner um, injury, I think he has like it's a suspected tibial fracture that is going to be very hard to replace in the end because now they all have like once again an injury they have to rearrange everything and I think that uh, hard times are coming for them definitely. Well if they can manage the momentum that they have with Koshnat's got them playing in a way that has them succeeding um, you know they could be okay they are two points above Magdeborg um, so we will see there's still plenty of season left even though we've reached the final stretch. We are going to speak about the final three games from Match day 27 in just a moment. We'll start with Darmstadt and Jan Regensburg. Yes, and we start in Darmstadt. They hosted Jan Regensburg and it ended a goal apiece. Serdar Dursan opened the scoring on 55 minutes and then Andreas Geipel's excellent goal on 69 minutes, giving Jan a share of the spoils. Eva, this was quite an interesting game. I think Darmstadt were the better side for the vast majority of the contest, uh, but they really just failed to capitalise on their chances. Yeah, definitely. I think um, after that win against HSV, they now have some self-confidence and they definitely showed it. Um, and Regensburg was really poor. Um, so once more, it's uh, for them... It's quite hard that they didn't use their chances to win and to get all, like get another step away from from the relegation area. Uh, yeah, as you said, I think they were quite good. Uh, they were the better team. Um, also, I think the referee made some mistakes in the first half, 
like there was it was very unstructured and there were like a lot of harsh fouls and he gave them a lot of freedom and I think that wasn't that well played but yeah I um Darmstadt uh, is in a way better mood they were, than they were like one and a half month ago so they were in a good way to not have anything to do with the relegation at the end of the season. Yeah, they're looking really good under Demetrius Gramotzis. He's really turned the fortunes around. They're playing a lot better football. They attack with vigor. And they really did put Jan under pressure. Um, Alex, it, it seems really a, a lucky draw almost every time you watch Jan. You really don't know what you're going to get. And this time around, it was... Not particularly good, but they still were able to get a point out of it. Certainly, I think that's the uh, sign of a, a good team who can, who can pick up points when perhaps they aren't at the best or they've had something to go against them or they've been under the cosh or, or whatnot. And I think you know, that extends their run away from home to only one defeat in 12 games. And the last, and that goes all the way back into late September. And so, I mean, they've gone under the radar as of late and, you know, I think it's a good result in the end, considering they didn't play well. Uh, but then I also think that for a team like Jan, I think this is probably as good as we can expect for them. I don't think they have the budget to really, uh, really push on, and actually, especially when there's teams like FC and Hamburg in the division, I don't think they have the resources to really challenge those sorts of teams in the long run. Um, so ultimately, when they're not playing well, I think you, you can't uh, be too displeased with an away draw at Darmstadt. Very, very true. Uh, we'll try and fly through these two fixtures quite quickly. Uh, St. Pauli nil, Duisburg nil. Uh, St. Pauli, for vast majorities, were the better side. Duisburg, probably unlucky they didn't get a penalty uh, against Daniel Bubala, who quite clearly handled the ball, but you know the referee didn't see it. Um, Alex said... Uh, you know, Duisburg are also in this relegation scrap with Ingolstadt and Magdeburg. Um, they didn't register a shot on target in the entire game. Uh, they've got some real issues all o- all over the park besides their goalkeeping situation now. Um, it's looking very grim for them, isn't it? It is, but then, as it stands, if you exclude the relegation playoff spot, you only have to be better than Ingolstadt and one other team. Uh to save yourself from outright relegation and at least for Duisburg unlike Magdeburg it seems at the moment they're still picking up points they've, they've picked up six from the last 12 which admittedly leads and brilliant but then in the relegation scrap it's still relatively decent and I think it's only Sandhausen's miraculous form as of late that puts makes us view Duisburg at the moment in more negative light for example if you take away and Housen's three victories that they've had on the spin, Duisburg and in the automatic uh, relegation places. So even though it was a shocking performance and it doesn't seem like they're in that great of a spirit at the moment, I think they stand a good chance of actually getting out of things uh, from my perspective anyway. We shall see about that. Of course, St. Pauli keeping themselves in the promotion fight, although a win really would have put the pressure on... Union Berlin, Magdeburg nil, Heidenheim nil was the other game uh, on Friday night. Uh, there was a penalty in this game. Felix Lockemper was unable to convert it thanks to a great save by Kevin Muller. Um, either you you may or dis- may agree to, or disagree. Uh, Magdeburg were by far the better side in this game. They really 
put Heidenheim under a lot of pressure, but like a few teams on uh, on uh, the match day, really failed to capitalise their chances. Yeah, definitely, especially even when uh, Heidenheim had like was the better team for like 15 minutes or so as soon as their attacks got fewer Magdeburg dared to go forward and had chances with Lohkämper, Preisinger and Pilter uh, namely um, and also in the second half Magdeburg was the better team um, Heidenheim was really to be seen Teuer Kauf got sent off after 73 minutes and then if your team in the relegation spot, you should definitely use those chances because you won't get many of them playing teams that are way above you. And yeah, that was that is something that Magdeburg can maybe suffer in the end, like that they didn't use this. Yeah, we will have to wait and see. But it was, I guess, the main thing for them is they didn't drop points, but. In the in the in the sense they did drop two points because it's a game that they deserve to win. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Do join us. Match day twenty eight is just around the corner. We're going to start up north. Holstein Kiel when they host St Pauli. And of course, you join us to start the preview for match day 28. Holstein Kiel and St. Pauli are going to kick us off. Holstein Kiel winning the last meeting of the two sides, a goal to nil. This will be the 42nd time they have met in all competitions. St. Pauli have a great record. They've won four of the last five meetings, dating back all the way to 2006. Well, this has the makings to be quite a good one, uh, Eva, but it's been a while since Holstein Kiel have beaten St. Pauli on their home patch, so will they turn the tide this time around? Um, although I have a soft spot for St. Pauli, I have to say no, because um, I think Kiel is uh, a bit more eager to win, and they are, are the better team in this victory, although they lost 4-0. Um, but St. Pauli is a bit poor in using their chances at the moment as well. So if I pick a winner, i go for Kiel. Uh, Alex, uh, what do you think? I would uh, personally go for a draw. Um, I believe both sides aren't in great form at the moment. Uh, it seems that St. Pauli, for me, seems to have been found out a bit. Uh, they've only scored two, I think, in the last five. Uh Yet, like we've seen, St. Pauli somehow have the hoodoo over Kiel away. Um, I mean, last season as well, they, they won 1-0 in quite a close game when they weren't fancied as well. Uh, so, with that said, I'd go for a draw between these two. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, Kiel have you know, been up and down recent. I think teams are starting to figure out how to play them, especially with how they like to play with possession and how the, the, the full-backs like to really press up. Um, and that may come into hand for St. Pauli, who don't play with possession. They like to play. They like to counter, and and um, yeah, I think uh, it it could be quite an interesting game. I think if either team is still genuine of of pushing on your Berlin, there ha- there has to be a winner, um, and a, a draw 
just simply won't be enough, especially if teams like Paderborn continue to win. The second of our Group 1 games is in Heidenheim. They welcome the ladder leaders, FC Köln. When the sides met in Cologne, it was a one-all draw. This is only the second meeting between the two sides in history. So, Alex, we look at Köln. They've also got the game in hand coming up next week against Duisburg. Another win here, and, and you would say that them keeping that gap over Hamburg will be very achievable. Uh, certainly, and I've actually uh, pumped for a close uh, FC win here. It's you know hand in hand. He's always one of the harder places in the league to go to. Uh, but we've we've mentioned you know it seems every week of the podcast how how good FC are going forward, and in in previous times we've questioned whether they can actually keep it tight at the back, and it seems as of late they've managed to do that somewhat. They've conceded three in the last five, but two of those, the one against Ingolstadt and the one against uh, Bielefeld, were essentially irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. So it seems that they've been able to keep it tighter at the back. And you know, we mentioned they were somewhat lucky against Kiel, but there's another clean sheet there. And so with that in mind, I think they're going to get the all-important three points when they travel to Heidenheim. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, despite Heidenheim being a very tricky place to play this season they've they've really made it a very a, a bit of a staple uh, they've 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 tested teams like Kiel they got a 2-2 draw with Hamburg um, in a game that they could have easily gone and won um, I think they're going to be a very tough opponent uh, Eva would you tend to agree that Heidenheim could cause Kiel some issues yeah, they could definitely cause them some issues, but I would agree that Köln would be the winning side in the end because they're like they now want to definitely want to use the like the difference they have um, to to Heisfall especially, and um, yeah, want to keep that gap as as um, open as they can. Yeah. Uh, our last game will stay in the south of Germany. Jan Regensburg versus Valfeld Bochum. Six goals in the last meeting between the two sides. It was a three-all draw, but of course that was the game that Bochum coughed up a three-goal-to-one lead in the final five minutes. So this is the seventh meeting between the two sides in all competitions, with three of the last five winners coming from the away side. Lucas Hintzer is the leading goal scorer in this fixture. Well, he's joined anyway with two. Eva... Neither side's playing particularly good football at the moment. We don't know what kind of Jan Regensborg we're going to get. How do you see this one going? Um, so, if Bochum's um, injury, whatever, uh, isn't getting any larger, but uh, actually some people will come back, I hope so at least, uh, or I think so, um, then I think Bochum has a good chance because they weren't that bad against Hasfau and... Um, yeah, I can see them winning, but only if they are really concentrating for 90 minutes plus um, and just don't give up the game in 50 minutes, as we saw three weeks ago. Alex, how, how do you see this one going? We, we've spoken about Jan's inconsistencies in form. Uh, what, do you, what can we expect from this one? Uh, yeah, I would go for another draw in this one. Um, I think you mentioned Jan uh, inconsistent. As are Bochum, I think both sides are are ones that the season is essentially done for them already. There's not really much of a chance of them do going up or going down. Uh, so I think, yeah, this is a bit of a, a nondescript game, really. I mean, from Bochum's perspective, I, I mean, it's a bit harsh with the injuries they've got, but I don't really see what the point is in 
what their point is under Robin Dutt at the moment. I don't really see where they're going or what they're trying to achieve. Um, whereas with Jan, uh, Jan seemed yeah, all over the show in terms of form. I don't think you can really predict them, but uh, saying oh, back to the overarching theme that it's a bit of a nothing game this one, I'd have to uh, go for a draw. Yeah, uh, that makes it three draws for the per- for the trio. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to start with an Osterby. It's going to be a beauty. Dynamo Dresden and Union Berlin. Yes, and we start in Dresden for our Group 2 games when they host third place Union Berlin course Dresden will be playing a midweek fixture against Greuther Fert. Uh, so this game has quite big significance for them if they can't get any points in midweek especially as they live vicariously ahead of the bottom five. Uh, either this game you know it's a derby we know what to expect it's going to be feisty there's going to be a great atmosphere um, not sure who's going to come out as a as a winner, uh, who do you think may take the points in this one? Um, I have to say, I think it's going to be on Yon just because they have the advantage of having a bit more of a break because Dresden played yesterday, they're playing on Thursday, and then they're playing on the weekend again. Um, <clears throat> but the good thing for Dresden is that they just come out of a derby and they won it. So there is some maybe something that um, speaks for them. Um, yeah, I think the, Dresden is just wants to focus on not getting relegated, which I think won't happen. But Union will be eager to like uh, keep up with their opponents on top of uh, the promotion battle. So I think Union is a bit more motivated for the game, and that's why they're going to win. I'd say. It should be an interesting one, especially for Dresden, if they can't pick up the points. An interesting stat I picked up uh, on recently. In Christian Files' term as manager, his teams have only led for 10 minutes in the Spider Bundesliga this season since he took over from Mike Valpurgis. So, on the back of what was an impressive victory at our... Um, Alex, we know that Union are going to try and shut it down at the back. How can Dresden, with the help of their fans uh, and their support, um, help them get over the line in what will be a very stout defensive performance? I think the key to victory against uh, Union, as Paderborn showed, uh, is, is to really break the lines between the midfield and the defence. Uh, I don't think the Union defence could could live with that. Uh, at weekends, or and so if Dresden can can uh, repeat that, then I think they have a good chance of victory, especially because this is Onion's first time that they have to play away uh, after a vit- after a defeat in the last game. So it was a, it's a hard ask going to somewhere like Dresden uh, with the pressure on that they have to get a victory with the likes of Paderborn uh, close behind them in the table. Uh, but that said, uh, Onion have won the last. Three out of their last four in Dresden, and the last defeat actually came back uh, eight years ago in August 2011. So it's a strange one, really. Uh, Dresden are perhaps employed by Union's poor form, uh, yet Union uh, have the history books. Uh, so I've actually gone for a draw in this one, like it seems like I have done with uh, every single game so far. Uh, 
Uh, this league is hard to pick, so you are forgiven. Uh, our second group game is in Bielefeld. They host the aforementioned Erzgeberger Hour. And Auer won this fixture last time they met at the Erzgeberger Stadion. One goal to nil. This is the 12th meeting between the two sides in all competitions. But Armenia have a very strong record at home against Auer. Auer's one and only win coming in the 2010-11 season. That was also one goal to nil. To show you how long ago that was, Martin Mannell was still goalkeeping for Erzgeberger Auer, as he will, I'm sure, this weekend. Either, you know, we know our quite a tricky team to play against. They're a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to going forward. We know defensively they are very solid. Uh, what would you like to see uh, Uwe Neuhaus do to, um, you know, challenge the, what, what will essentially be a back five? Yeah, so um, I think the, the way the defense played wasn't that bad although uh Anderson Lukoki was a bit poor in the last game I think he's good going forward but he's a bit slow going back and then defending so maybe although I don't like him at all you you know that um hardheads would be the better choice uh against against our um because they really need to stop this that in a counter attack nobody knows who whose person do like who who is my player more or less I have to defend against um and then I would lose Klaus up front because I think he was no good I I don't know if I'm alone with that opinion but I think he was actually not really good um but otherwise I think um yeah maybe Zoifat instead of Yabo if he is um yeah, ready to play again because the Abo is really poor in the last couple of weeks and uh, then Aminia has a chance to win but uh, to be realistic I think it's going to be a draw um, Alex how do you see this one going I've actually gone for uh, Aminia victory um, on paper <laughs> it seems quite a quite a uh, close game it's the fifth best attack in the league versus the fifth best defence and that's Armenia with the fifth best attack and uh, our with the fifth best defence. Uh, however our have conceded eight in their last two games and so I think with Fabian Close in the uh, goal scoring form that he's in uh, I don't think you can really afford him too many chances and with this um, with the form that the our defence are in I think they'll perhaps give him one too many and he'll punish them and uh, a close win for the home side. Yeah, I think Armenia are going to win this game as well. It's really hard not to talk about close. He really is in the ascendancy. 12 goals this season. Eight of those coming since Uwe Neuhaus has taken over. Our last Group 2 game brings us to Furt. They host Darmstadt. Darmstadt were the winners in this fixture last time out. Two goals to nil. In the 29 meetings, both sides have won 11 times. So this game has the makings to be quite interesting. But of note, Alex, Darmstadt's last win in Furt came in 1981. Can they change that to 2019? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, again, have gone for a draw because... And uh, it seems that uh, thankfully you'll uh, be glad to hear it's my last prediction of a draw in the uh, games of this weekend. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard because you know, first have shown the Lytle that they cannot, given the moment, you know, be quite a dangerous side. Yet Darmstadt have been quietly going about their business in the last few weeks. I think they've picked up ten from the last fifteen. Um, 
so I think it really depends on what foot the team shows off and whether Stefan Leitl decides to uh, implode his team again. Uh, yeah, I think I think both uh, both sides like the uh, Regensburg Bochum game. Neither side are going to uh, be in trouble going up or down. So I think this one will sort of ebb out into a draw. Uh, I'm gonna actually say and go on a limb that Darmstadt will win this game. Uh, under Gromotsis, they've they've certainly improved quite a lot, especially going forward. They were very limp uh, under Dirk Schuster towards the end of his tenure. Marvin Melham is as is is starting to showcase the reason why, you know, people really highly rating him at at the club, and and I really like the looks of him. Uh, so Dursan would love to also score against his former employers, and I think he'll do so in what will be a Darmstadt win. Uh, Eva, we've got a draw, we have a Darmstadt win. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, well, because I saw Fjord playing for 90 minutes uh, on Sunday, if they are a bit more awake um, in what they're doing in defending um, and are aware of their opponent, I can see them win, actually, but only if they play 90 minutes of concentrated football, and that's a hard one, so I... I'd agree with Alex. I think I think it's going to be a draw. There you have it. We've got three games left to preview. Hamburg and Magdeburg will kick us off in a minute. Yes, and the first of our Group 3 games brings us to the Volkspark Stadion with Hamburg hosting Magdeburg. This is a, the second meeting between the two sides. First one ending a goal to nil to Hamburg. Khalid Narai was the goal scorer. Both teams have been up and down recently, but the one thing is certain Mikkel Earnings' return to Hamburg will be one of note. Uh, Eva, we look at Hamburg, we look at a team that has reached the highs of beating um, St. Pauli 4 0 in the derby, but then also coming up with a nil nil against a pretty injury ravaged. Borkham side, uh, a response will be expected. What can we see from this Hamburg side? Yeah, I think um, that we definitely see uh, changed Hamburg sides or something between the Borkham game and the St. Pauli game, I, I'd say. Um, I think Hannes Wolf will wasn't really fond of his, of his team's performance against Borkham and um, I think he against someone from who seems to be um, an easy opponent, but isn't uh, as some <clears throat> Aminia had to had to see. Um, he was wants his team to be awake and to be more, yeah, active going forward. And if that plan is being played as he wants it to be, then I see a hard for one. Yeah, I see them winning as well, but I'm going to see it as the same scoreline as last time. Uh, I think certain teams have really troubled them, especially teams near the basement, Furt, Dresden at home, but they've been able to find ways to win. Uh, Alex, how, how do you see this one going? I share that uh, those sentiments, Matthew, uh, but I'd be going for a draw. No, not really. I'm actually going for a, a close handball victory. Um, yeah, I, f- I, f- I feel like... Um, under Michael Erning, uh, Magdeburg are quite similar to Ingolstadt under Alexander Nori in that they play well, uh, but they don't seem to get enough victories. They, they've got a few draws. Uh, 
and so I think that naivety will come to haunt them against a Hamburg team who on the day can be quite efficient in front of goal. Speaking of Ingolstadt, they face a massive relegation six-pointer when they travel to Duisburg on match day 28. Uh, when the two sides met last time out, it was a one-all draw at the Audi Sport Park. This will be the 12th meeting, all told, between the two sides. Uh, it has been very lean pickings for Ingolstadt against Duisburg. They've only won this fixture once, and that came in the 2012-13 season, where they won two goals to nil. And a certain Felix Wiedwald, who played between the sticks in that game, is most likely to start once again. So, Alex, it's not a particularly uh, good-looking when it comes to the statistics and the history of this game. How can Ingolstadt find a way to win this game? Oh, you tell me, Matthew. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know you said the, uh, the history books didn't look good, but I'll leave, I can raise an even worse one. But the last time Ingolstadt were in a relegation trap, a real relegation trap in the Zweite Bundesliga in 2008-9, uh, we actually went to Duisburg in that season, and it couldn't have gone much worse, actually, because the Shanzen were defeated 6-1, so uh, <laughs> maybe a 5-1 vi- uh, defeat would be uh, one step better this time. <laughs> Uh, I mean, saying that, uh, I don't. I, I mean, I know you said it's a six-pointer. I think it's from Duisburg's perspective. I think from our perspective, it's like a six-thousand-pointer. Um, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I've plumped for a Duisburg victory just because I have little confidence in this team at the moment. And maybe, maybe if I'm so defeatist that we might randomly pull something out of the hat. I mean, uh, Duisburg tried to handle the victory last year with that uh, keeping error. So. Uh, <laughs> I'd appreciate if Felix Weidwald could uh, do a bit of the same this season. Yeah, well, we shall see, uh, Eva. We've been quite critical of uh, Torsten Liebknecht's side over the course of the season. Um, would it be fair to say that if, e- if either Duisburg or Ingolstadt fails to win this game, it might be curtains for their season? Yeah, definitely. Um, and maybe this is... An awakening call. I don't know if uh, <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't. Um, if Ingolstadt maybe surprisingly now um, has a plan how to stay in the league, but um, I, I'd say I go for a draw because I think both teams don't want to take too many risks on the one side, and that's why they are maybe a bit less on going forward. So. Um, yeah, a draw that doesn't help anyone. But if I'd pick a winner, I'd go with Duisburg as well, sadly. Yeah, it's just history has Duisburg written all over it. They average almost two goals a game against Ingolstadt. That may be a little bit skewed because of the 6-1, but that's that's way too many goals. And you know, We will wait and see, but I, I do agree with Eva in the sense that it will be quite tentative early, neither team really wanting to concede, uh, and it will be a proper relegation scrap. The last of our games for match day 28 brings us to Sandhausen. They host Paderborn. It was 3 all when the two sides met last time out, and this will be the 11th meeting between the two sides. Amazingly, Sandhausen have a great record against Paderborn. They've won three of the last five, and they average 2.2 goals per game against Paderborn. Uh, so, Eva, despite the uh, almost the, the, the narrative that Sandhausen isn't a scoring side, they seem to have... Great creative freedom when they play Paderborn. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So this is, uh, I had to laugh a bit because when I look at the history, I remember that Sandhausen won in Paderborn 6-0, like three week, three years ago or so. This um, was a pleasant surprise to look at. Um, but this is also something that wouldn't happen this season. And um, as much as I like pa seeing Paderborn lose, I do not think it's going to happen this time because Paderborn is a different side than St. Pauli. They're way more difficult to play. Um, and they're coming off that victory against Union. So I'd say it's going to be like a 2-0 win for Paderborn. How do you see this one going, Alex? Of course, Sandhausen, three consecutive wins on the spin. Uh, they're in good form. Uh, Andrew Wooden has found his goal-scoring boots. He is, in fact, the top scorer in this fixture. Um, how do you see them faring against a very strong paddleboard side? I think, I mean, this would be the first real test that Sandhausen have uh, faced in terms of a quality team. You know, both Ingolstadt and Magdeburg aren't the greatest side in the division, not taking away uh, what great results those were for Sandhausen and uh, St. Pauli are in free fall almost. So I think this is this is a different kettle of fish. And, but then looking at it from a Paderborn perspective, these are the sort of games that can really uh, unrail uh, one season and go into a small, dingy ground almost. And uh, not that Paderborn's ground is particularly good, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, it's a, it can be a tricky game on paper, and so I do share the sentiments that Paderborn will win, but I don't think it'll be quite as easy as uh, the league table would actually uh, suggest. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to go past Paderborn. The overall quality they they are just an unbelievable attacking force. Sandhausen obviously improving uh, ever slightly. They still have they they control their own fate when it goes to avoiding the relegation zone. That is it for Match Day 28, our preview and analysis. We have just the one fan question for this week. It comes from the Union Berlin Irish Supporters Club, the Cork branch. You can find them at Union underscore Cork. They ask, does any team actually want the playoff spot making a snark remark to Union's 3-1 defeat to Paderborn and how the race, which seems pretty comfortable for Union, is almost back on again. Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. It really is game on. Uh, do you still see Union taking that third place, or is there someone else who shall reign supreme? Oh Well, it seems like everyone I say who's going to actually get the playoff spot ends up falling off a cliff after that. I mean, I think yeah, after around about Christmas, I was pretty sure that Union would make that. The last time I, we were asked this, I said Kiel would get it, and they're in, I think, seventh now, so... Um, I mean, at the moment, I do fancy Paderborn, um, especially with, when with their remaining fixtures, they're not uh, necessarily the hardest. I mean, they've got Armenia away. Uh, I think your second last game of the season is it? Uh, no, third last game of the season. So that is, that'll probably shape up to be a, a decisive one, as will uh, Hamburg at home, uh, second last game of the season. Um, but I think with the confidence that they're in at the moment, I, I, I think they're sort of an unstoppable train, really. Uh, and they'll, they'll just about uh, squeak Onion to that one. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad you brought the fact that you predicted Kiel because we both predicted Kiel that episode and they went on to lose 2 0 to Onion Berlin. How is the irony? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, well, Onion 
control their destiny. They, you know, I think I think the thing that they should be almost playing for is they should be playing for the automatic promotion place. Only three points behind Hamburg, and and the way Hamburg have been playing of recent, they're a little bit vulnerable to losing that second spot. So I think they should be instead of worrying about the teams behind them, focusing on that automatic promotion place. If not, finish in third. Probably play Stuttgart or maybe Augsburg, um, and you never know. Um, Eva, how, how do you see Union holding on, or do you agree with Alex? Do you see Paderborn, or do you see someone else? Yeah. Um, so the ultimate thing would be if uh, Union like is becoming second, and then HSV is completely losing it, and uh, Paderborn gets their uh, promotion spot on the third place. Uh, that would be a bit of dream thinking. I th- uh, I guess, um, but um, yeah, I think Union and Paderborn are the two top teams to actually fight about the third place or even the second one. Um, I think Union now has the time to change because that one month later would be way too late or even two weeks later. So now they they are. Um, aware of their position, of their situa- situation, and um, yeah, it's going to be very close in the end, and I think that's something um, we we love about Zweite Liga, that uh, you never can say for certain who is going to end up in the relegation spot, uh, in the promotion spot, sorry. That is for certain. We do thank you for your company. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, of course, Match Day 28 is just around the corner. We are excited. We hope you are too. From Alex, Eva, myself, Matthew, we thank you for your company once again. And until next time, Alf Edison. Über weite Phasen gleichwertig. Jetzt mit der Gelegenheit Wuten. Und der Ball ist drin. Und der Treffer zählt. Und Ingolstadt ist fast abgeschieden. Abgestiegen. Und Sandhausen jubelt.